BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Aditi Bandlamudi in San Francisco. As of this week, masks are no longer required in most indoor settings. They're only strongly recommended for unvaccinated people in California. And starting next Friday, March 11th, these same rules will apply in schools and childcare facilities. The shift comes at a time when the state's Department of Public Health reports a more than 60 percent drop in case counts and more than 50 percent drop in hospitalizations. For some, this news comes as a huge relief, but others feel the state is jumping the gun with this pivot. To help us process all of this, we called Dr. Abrar Karan. Dr. Karan, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. Tell me a little bit about what this new guidance says. So, you know, the guidance essentially is saying that people are still strongly recommended to wear masks indoors, but they're no longer mandated to do so. And I think that, you know, one of the key points here is that it's a little bit confusing in terms of the messaging, because people's question really is, am I safe to take off my mask or not? And so if you're saying it's no longer mandated, but it's still highly recommended, then the messaging is sort of confusing, right? Because people are like, well, if it's still highly recommended, then why would I take it off? Then you have others who are feeling like, well, the restrictions are off me now um, and I'm sort of free to do what I want. And so I think there will be different approaches and different ways that people look at this. As an infectious disease expert, I mean, how do you interpret this new guidance? You know, for me, it's it's um, it's always about the community incidence. So what what's going on in the community and how much disease are we detecting? That really determines what the risk is of any given activity with your mask off. Now, I think it's possible that nothing happened. It's possible that the cases continue to go down because we've had a lot of spread, including undetected spread, where people were doing at-home tests or not testing at all and may have had mild symptoms. So we may just not have enough susceptible hosts that have been uninfected that could get infected to sustain a large outbreak. You know, what's your advice then, basically, as we move forward in, you know, unmasking and people coming back to social functions to work? I mean, what should we do? One smart thing to do would be keep your mask on for a long, a little longer. See if there's a big resurgence when people are taking their masks off. If there isn't, then you should feel more comfortable to remove your mask. And, you know, this is over a matter of the next week or two weeks that we'll be able to see some of these changes. So, you know, and looking at the dates for California, it looks like, you know, March 1st is essentially where we're allowing unvaccinated individuals in indoor public settings to not have to wear a mask. And then March 11th is where this will take place for K-12 and childcare settings. So I think over the next week or two weeks, you know, we may see a change in the trend or we may see an ongoing decline. 
I'm thinking about, you know, people who work in restaurants and in retail centers and places where there are lots of people who are getting around these areas and they might have not been vaccinated for a number of reasons and they may be scared or they or as you had said, they might be immunocompromised. How should these folks sort of be approaching this new normal? Well, I would for at least for the short term highly recommend to continue to wear a mask and wear a high grade mask, like a high filtration uh, N95 mask that that is, I I hate to put the onus on on, on vulnerable immunocompromised people to protect themselves. That is not good public health. That's not health equity to me. Health equity means a preferential option for those who are vulnerable, doing even more for vulnerable people and vulnerable communities, not doing just the same amount for them as everybody else. That matters because the next wave that we have the same people that were hit, the same communities that were hit hard early on will be hit hard again, right? Those that can't work from home, that live in crowded housing, that work in crowded workplaces. If those places are not made safer with better ventilation, for instance, we'll run into the same problems again. And, and these are predictable problems. Dr. Abrar Karan is an infectious disease fellow at Stanford. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, two California counties have resisted easing indoor mask rules for vaccinated people, and they're finally lifting those restrictions this week. Starting today, face masks will no longer be required indoors, for the most part, in Santa Clara County. But Dr. Sarah Cody, the county's public health officer, is still recommending people stay cautious. For all of us as a community, it is still important that we all wear a mask indoors and that's to protect each other and to honor our value of equity, which is that we protect those in our community who are most vulnerable, young children who are not yet eligible to be vaccinated, people who are immunocompromised. The county is still strongly recommending masks indoors for both vaccinated and unvaccinated residents. In Los Angeles County, public health officials say they'll likely lift the universal indoor mask mandate by the end of this week. Public health director Dr. Barbara Ferrer says they'll wait to see the latest numbers from the CDC, which will come out tomorrow. The agency recently changed its standards on whether masks should be worn indoors, which resulted in much of the country being able to lift those rules. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 
That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Bay Area Congressman Eric Swalwell is standing behind his proposal to remove some Russian students from the United States. He received backlash after saying students with ties to Vladimir Putin and Russian elites should be punished over Russia's invasion of Ukraine. About the only thing we can do, the most important thing we can do is to arm the Ukrainians, give them intelligence to take action against the Russians. Uh, but I would be surprised if any reasonable person thought that, you know, their empathy should be with oligarch children uh, rather than with the Ukrainian people. But many Russian Americans have ties to both countries and have voiced support for Ukrainians fleeing their country or staying to defend it. Meanwhile, the value of Russian currency continues to plummet in response to sanctions imposed by the U.S. and Europe. People with ties to the region here in California are busy organizing to help provide humanitarian aid. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi spoke with one Sacramento resident who's even using his business in Ukraine to help. Ben Navratsky is a realtor in Sacramento and has been watching the situation unfold in his native Ukraine wondering about the safety of his friends, family, and loved ones. He says most of the people he knows in the western part of Ukraine have stayed to fight for their country, and he makes sure to check in with them daily. Navratsky says he's doing whatever he can to help, even using his glass processing factory in Ukraine. Whatever trucks we had, and we had um, some equipment that could be used for the military, we donated it. The trucks are being used to, you know, deliver supplies and whatever is needed. His business is also providing materials for Ukrainians to build roadblocks in the area. Here in California, Navratsky is working with the Spring of Life Church in Sacramento to help raise funds for the immediate emergency and also to provide food and shelter for refugees and medical services for Ukrainian civilians who are injured in the fighting with Russia. He says he's proud of Ukrainians who are standing up to the attacks from Russia and the unity the country is showing. But he knows there may be darker days ahead. Right now, when they're, when they're getting desperate, they start bombing. From now on, the conflict is going to get more devastated, devastating. Much more refugees going to flee because we have a lot of civilian casualties within the last two days. For The California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi. You can find out more about how to donate at solsacramento.com. The Cal State University system is formally launching an independent investigation into how Fresno State University handled sexual harassment complaints against a former administrator. The harassment allegations led to the recent resignation of CSU Chancellor Joseph Castro. He was the president at Fresno State and authorized a payout and retirement package to the school's former vice president of student affairs, who was the subject of multiple complaints of harassment and bullying. California could become the first state in the country to expand health coverage to all low-income immigrants. Right now, most undocumented adults still aren't eligible for Medi-Cal coverage, and that's forcing some families to make life and death decisions. Valley Public Radio's Madi Bolaño spoke to one of those families in Fresno County. Maria Guadalupe Toledo Mejia is rounding a ball of masa in her hands. She's making baleadas for her husband, Sergio. They moved their family here to Fresno County three years ago from Honduras. Sergio says they work in the fields. Primarily picking grapes, he says, but also wherever they'd send them, wherever there's work. 
but recently they stopped working. In late December, 42-year-old said he'll rush to the hospital. He couldn't breathe. Doctors did a series of tests and told him he had to have open-heart surgery as soon as possible, but said he'll said no. He's undocumented and uninsured. He told the doctor he had no money for surgery. He told them to send him home. He'd rather die in his house. Lawmakers say Sergio's experience is a prime example of why the state needs to expand Medi-Cal to all Californians, regardless of immigration status. Assemblymember Joaquin Arambula was an emergency room doctor before he took office. Many people in our immigrant communities are fearful of seeking out health care if they do not have coverage. And when they put off care, their conditions get worse and worse. They end up in the ER when disease is harder to treat and where care is the most expensive. And it's costing you, the taxpayer, a fortune. Governor Gavin Newsom says expanding Medi-Cal coverage will save money in the long run. If you care not just about values and principles of morality, but if your only values and principles are advanced through economics, then that alone should be an argument in favor of universal health care. The campaign to expand Medi-Cal to all low-income, undocumented residents started nearly a decade ago. The state began by covering undocumented kids, then young adults, and this year people aged 50 and older will be able to sign up. Covering adults aged 27 to 49 would be the last step toward expanding insurance to all Californians. The California Republican Party did not approve of Newsom's overall budget proposal, describing it as woefully short on solutions for the problems plaguing Californians. Back in Fresno County, Lupita washes her hands before cleaning the wounds on Sergio's chest. He ended up going through with the heart surgery, but Lupita says they live in dread, waiting for the medical bill. They're lost, she says. They don't know if or when they are going to be charged for the follow-up appointments. Doctors say Sergio will be out of work for at least five months. He says he hopes the Medi-Cal expansion is approved so that others won't have to go through what he's been through. For The California Report, I'm Madi Bolaños in Fresno. Californians can expect more water conservation measures this summer after yet another disappointing snow survey. KQED's Katrina Schwartz explains. Early season rains had state water officials hopeful that we'd have a wet winter. But California's annual March survey shows the state's snowpack to be 63 percent of average. Sean de Guzman is with the Department of Water Resources. And without any significant storms on the horizon, it's safe to say that we'll end this year dry and continue on into the third year of this ongoing drought. De Guzman says it was the driest consecutive January and February on record in the Sierra Nevada, going back 100 years. Brian Garcia is a meteorologist with the National Weather Service. He says it's likely the La Nina weather pattern responsible for our dry weather will continue. Miracle March, amazing April, those two are not looking promising. That means conservation is the name of the game headed into the dry months. For The California Report, I'm Katrina Schwartz. And that's The California Report for Wednesday, March 2nd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Aditi Bandlamudi. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for The California Report comes from Personal Capital. 
helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor. PersonalCapital.com. Paint Care. Now with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.